welcome back to another commodity update by the team at Mercado. It's been about, oh, it's been a long time since I've spoken in this podcast. Uh, I went on holiday to Scotland uh, for three weeks. Then when I returned a couple of days later, I was playing a game of ice hockey and broke my arm. Uh, so I'm just out of hospital, got myself a couple of screws implanted into my uh, my arm and a lot of painkillers. Uh, but I thought I would jump back on today to give uh, a grain marker update. Uh, and then we've got Robert covering wool, and then Matt covering livestock. Uh, as ever, uh, this is a completely free service. All we ask is that you take the time out of your busy schedule to leave us a review on iTunes or wherever else it is that you listen to this podcast. Uh, either you can leave a leave a, a star review, or you can even take the time out to write a, a complimentary review. Uh, as always... Uh, we always welcome any feedback, so you can contact us uh, by email, via Twitter, by Facebook. Uh, we're, we're pretty much everywhere. I'm just going to jump straight into it and talk about the uh, the grain market. And I want to really talk about two, three main things. Uh, first of all, the big driver over June was largely those issues with corn. And uh, if you believe the data from the USDA, you'd think, well... They've uh, pulled a rabbit out of the hat in the U.S. and they've managed to plant the crop. Uh, USDA put out their report uh, last week and it showed that they had planted more corn than they planted last year, which is pretty surprising considering they've had pretty much a deluge after deluge and they've been uh, planting in what I would consider to be swamps almost. However, it's not quite as simple as that. One of the issues they have is that the... The survey to produce that report was conducted in early June, and they also, in terms of planted figures, they actually included intended figures as actual figures. So although people in June intended on planting higher figures, they didn't actually plant those figures. So it's all a bit of a furphy, really. A few of those data algorithms, they took that data into account, and which caused the market to come back a bit. The reality, though, is that the USDA will have to resurvey all those producers all over again, and there'll be new data out late July, August, which will give us a better indication of how that corn has been planted. But largely, it has been a case of corn driving wheat, and we put up a chart on my article on Tuesday, which showed the the correlation between wheat price movements and corn price movements, and they've got a very high degree of correlation. So, if corn goes up, wheat goes up, and uh, and yeah, that's really what's been driving it. When we look locally, we when I left to go on holiday, things were looking pretty dry and uh, even the west didn't look like it was going to be in much of a good shape for the coming season uh, they managed to get pretty good rainfall over the last month um, you know when it seems to be that quite often when i go on holiday the country gets good rainfall so feel free to pay me to go overseas again and i'll uh, promise the rain but joking aside uh, lots of tracks of the company country got good substantial rainfalls in, in Vic, SA and WA. New South Wales and Queensland still seems to be missing out uh, on the main. And it seems to be that it's really really poor triangle around northern New South Wales and Queensland, which is just every time a forecast comes out, they seem to be missing out. And it's, it's a real massive concern because that is also, not just for those farmers who are producing or, or attempting to produce crops in that area, is actually that is where the bulk of the country's domestic feed demand uh, comes from. 
So possibly points toward another year where grain will have to be, you know, trucked up from, you know, Victoria, SA and southern New South Wales to meet those uh, domestic homes. Uh, but uh, prices are still hanging around there. They're still staying high in Australia. Uh, we still got uh, prices above $300 a ton on ASX. It's, it's lost a bit of value down to about 330 Uh but still looking, you know, relatively attractive. Uh, still could be considered good prices for for hedging if you look at the historical deciles. Um, then we look a bit further afield. Uh, we had some concerns with Europe, and it seems to have been that those concerns uh, were in relation to a heat wave. It doesn't seem to have impacted the crops all that much, and now we're expecting to have a higher crop in France and Germany than last year, and probably with Europe on total about 10% higher crop than this time last year. Uh, there are, are some concerns being flagged in the Black Sea regions uh, with, with Russia. Uh, estimates by forecasters seem to uh, seem to have a big bit of variation from about 71 million tons all the way up to about 82 million tons. So the only thing we know of Russia is that there's always a certain degree of uncertainty and we shall see what happens. Uh, all in all it points to another sort of June, July of excitement and volatility, which we've come to expect in recent years. And I don't expect that to uh, decline anytime soon. Uh, we shall see what happens. Uh, one thing to note is that if we hadn't had this corn issue, prices would be substantially lower than they are now for wheat. And that's, uh, that's really saved our bacon, so to speak. I'm going to pass you off to Robert, and he's going to talk about some of the, uh, I guess, moderately good news in the wool market over the past week. Thanks, Andrew. Well, the wool market finally gave us something to talk about in a positive note. Uh, this week we saw um, a recovery from uh, what we reported last week as being quite a, a shocker. Um, there wasn't a lot of wool sold, but um, the uh, the market certainly had a recovery. And we noticed on, the, on day one in the eastern states it was... Um, it held steady, but on day two we saw the market rally and in the end it had a 13 cent increase on the Eastern Market Indicator. Fremantle did even better and finished strongly and that gives us a bit of a lead into what we expect next week. I wanted to um, just highlight a couple of things. I, I think we're seeing quite a, um, a short-term view of of the strategies of the markets, both on behalf of buyers and sellers at the moment. So, and, and to... Uh, Provide an example. Last week, the Eastern Market indicator fell 51 cents. Uh, the pass-in rate was 20%, so growers were completely unimpressed. And in fact, uh, in Western Australia, it was nearly 30%. And so there were 23,000 bales purchased by the uh, by the exporters for um, for clearance to their customers. This week, we saw the market go stronger, uh, only marginally, but it did turn around. And uh, the passing rate dropped dramatically. So from 20%, it dropped down to 6%. Now, this seems like an extreme reaction to, um, firstly, the market falling last week and the market rising this week. It meant that the exporters, though, who probably don't come out of this um, uh, unscathed either, but last week on a falling market, they were only able to buy 23,000 bales. And this week on a rising market, they purchased 29,000 bales. So when I say that, that we're seeing a lot of short-termism in the market, that's the sort of things that we're, we're looking at. Next week, I think we've um, 
people always want to know what we think is going to happen next week. I think the end to the week uh, with Fremantle selling later, so Fremantle is on obviously on Western Australian time and, and usually what happens late in that sale gives us a pointer to the next week. It finished quite solidly and quite strongly. Um, we're still not seeing big volumes. The volume of wool coming forward is is well down. I think it's about uh, 24% down on the same sale of uh, last year in terms of wool being offered. So supply is going to be tight. Let's just see if the um, demand increase is going to carry from week to week. But uh, on based on how Fremantle finished, that's probably uh, something that we can uh, look forward to. So uh, that's it for wool. Talk to you next week. Thanks. Thanks for that, Rob. Uh, this week in cattle markets, I covered the processor margin, so looking at the Mercado AMPC processor margin model that we produce um, every month here at Mercado. And margins were slightly lower for the June period. Uh, they came in at uh, $274 a head uh, per beast processed, and that's 4% lower than what we saw in May. Uh, the May figure was 285, which was the highest we've seen this year so far. Uh, looking at the margin for year to date, so the average to the year uh, currently, we have um, the margin right now at $205 uh, for the 2019 season, uh, which is significantly higher than the average we saw for 2018 across the whole year. Uh, 2018, we ended up with about a $36 profit margin achieved by processors for the year. Uh, however, this $205 is significantly higher. And if we contrast it to the last time we saw uh, such a dry season and a reasonable amount of uh, cattle turnoff, it's fairly similar margin levels. Indeed, the 2014 uh, year to date, so from January to June figure, uh, was $202, so we're currently just $3 above that. Um, so profitable times at the moment for our uh, processors, uh, or at least for, for those that are processing uh, beef. Uh, now, if we look at um, the projected slaughter levels for MLA and, and, and taking into account the current female slaughter ratio of around 55.3%, we've got... Um, somewhere around 4.25 million head of female cattle slaughtered uh, for this year is, is what's slated based off the MLA numbers. Um, there is an interesting relationship between the processor margin, the annual average processor margin, and the uh, average slaughter figures uh, for the year. Um, and currently, based off that relationship, we're projecting that the annual average for the 2019 season for processor margin will come in somewhere around the $130 to $150 level as the average across the whole year. Um, and that's taking into account the fact that it's likely we're going to see female slaughter ratio declining in the next few months. So usually the, through the season, uh, middle of the year, it does start to decline, uh, which will probably push that annual figure from 55.3 down to around the 53%, 54% level for female slaughter ratio. And that's where we're working back um, to figure out uh, what the likelihood of uh, processor margins will be come the end of the year. So look, it's shaping up for a fairly profitable year for uh, processors uh, of beef cattle. And the good thing for a producer perspective is um, if processors are making money, then they're going to be active at the sale yard looking to buy whatever stock's available and they'll keep um, uh, supporting cattle prices uh, into the uh, medium term. 
Turning to uh, sheep and lamb markets, uh, this week we had took a look at um, this rampaging uh, ESTLI. It's just broken up above 900 cents again uh, this week, so uh, peaking uh, on Thursday at 908 cents a kilo, so a record high. And we just took a bit of a look at the technical picture to see um, what's the likelihood of us seeing another late winter surge. Certainly if you look at the um, seasonal percentage price pattern for the ESTLI, we're at levels now are 30, about 35% above where we opened in January at 6.66 cents. We're now sitting 35% above that. And looking at the 2018 season, there was a fairly similar uh, increase in percentage terms. Uh, we rallied later in the year. We, we saw the rally to 8.84 during uh, early September, and that was also around a 35% um, increase from the opening price at the start of January 2018. So we're at similar levels now in percentage terms. Uh, usually we do see uh, the normal kind of seasonal patterns for the rally to occur during July, August. Uh, so there, there could be one more rally left in this ESTLI. Uh, if you look at the technical picture, we are starting to see some resistance around the uh, 9.35 to 9.50 cent level. And so that's what we're uh, calling for our likely peak this year uh, for the ESTLI. Um, the technical picture is showing some signs that the market is beginning to slow down, even, even though it is rallying, it's rallying at lesser and lesser momentum. Uh, so we, we are thinking in the next few weeks we are likely to see the peak and personally I'm calling it uh, at 9.35 cents uh, in the coming weeks and, and then as we start to move towards spring and, and increase in um, supply we're going to see those normal spring flush and, um, and uh, prices for, for trade lamb start to come off uh, into the uh, seasonal lows we generally see late spring. And that's it for the uh, livestock markets. I'll pass it back to you Andrew. Thanks for those great updates uh, Matt and Robert. One of the good advantages of Mercado is the ability to get updates on all the different markets in one place in a short and concise manner. Uh, so thanks again for those updates. Uh, we'll be back again next week with these updates. But we will also have another long-form interview with Peter Walker. And Peter went over to Kenya uh, a couple of months ago uh, to work on what is effectively an aid program. And uh, we've got some interesting uh, insights on what it's like to be a farmer over there. So... Without further ado, I hope you guys all have a good weekend. Uh, stay safe out there. And uh, as mentioned before, uh, give us a review, uh, leave a rating, and uh, retweet us or forward us on to your friends who may be interested in listening. And if you have anyone who you think would be uh, interested in coming on to have an interview with us, uh, yeah, please get in touch. Thanks very much. Goodbye.